Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Okay, welcome to today's episode, everyone. Welcome back. We are still here. Episode 96. Wow. Wow. Jeez. I can't believe we've done this many episodes. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it feels like we've done hundreds but also yes the number is very unreal like who are we to keep talking my (laughs) facebook memories showed me that like this time last year we had just dropped episode 54 i think something like that really and i was like damn oh my goodness (laughs) we've done a lot Okay, but also, like, I feel like we're surprised with, like, every number. Because I remember, like, we did 10, and we're like, oh, my gosh, we've done 10 episodes. Oh, my gosh, we've done 50. Oh, my goodness, we've done this many seasons. I know. Well, we equally thought that this would go forever, and we thought it also would never last. So we're a, we're a, I don't know what that bag phrase is, but we're that. We're that bag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. Uh, my brain hurts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't use metaphors you don't know. Don't get us in trouble. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been such a long week. Anyways. Diving in. We did want to do a quick corrections corner. Um, We just have one. I mean, we could honestly touch on like some things like on and on forever, but... Um, we want to keep things moving along pretty well. Um, so we just have one note that we wanted to make um, based off a comment that I made last week, which is more opinion than fact. So, okay, so we don't hate men and we just want to make sure we're not coming off as man-hating in that way. Like, we're not here to say, like, all the time that all men are irresponsible or anything. It came out in relation to how men are not required by society to parent um, whereas the women essentially are making a coverage statement like that can be seen as harmful, which we understand. And that was not our intention. So we do just want to make that note. It was a joke. And I don't feel like you need to apologize to men when the entire world is literally built for them. So uh, like, if you're a man and you're listening to this and your panties are in a twist about it, I'm sorry, not sorry. Well, honestly, then like, this is the wrong podcast for you. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Yeah. Listen, we know that not all men are irresponsible. Whatever. I don't care. Moving on to more important things. <laughs> Gosh. I just can't. I can't turn it off. It's okay. I can't either. I That's why I'm surprised that you even wanted to apologize for that. Because I was I like, just... why? Since when? Since when do we apologize <laughs> to men for anything? Since up Then take when? it out. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I'm keeping it because this is entertaining. <laughs> I was just feeling guilty for a minute. <laughs> <sighs> um, I thought we had another corrections corner coming, but I cannot, I cannot remember what it was. So we're just going to slide right past that. Um, do we want a highlight on Wilcox's thing or do you want to mention it at a different point here? Do you want to mention it at all? The only thing I will say is we are available to speak to any youth or YSA group anywhere. 
we could do it virtually, we can do it in person. And you can have our promise and guarantee that it will not be racist and it will not be making misogynistic comments about women or about anything. We can't guarantee, however, that we will stay on topic 100% of the time. We like our tangents, but we can also guarantee that it will be a good time had by all if you let us come and speak to the youths. And it may not be super reverent, but we would try. We'll be prepared. Like, we'll actually read the scriptures and stuff beforehand. And then we'll answer questions for youth and help them feel validated and feel like their questions matter because they do. And we would love to help the youths. I would do that for this. Yes. So if you're tired of the old white men speaking. Take a chance on two older single adults. (laughs) Hey, I would still be in the young single adult ward. (laughs) That's true. I'm a retired single adult now. Oh, I like that. You're just like done. But you're not like, it's not that you found someone. You're just like done with like, done with that. Yeah. I'm just retired. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyways. (laughs) So yeah, you can reach out to us on social media, in our email, funeralpotatoesforthesingles at gmail.com. Let us know. We would love to talk to your youth and your singles and have a Q&A and talk about everything. Even your high council, we could tell them how oh, we heck could yeah. talk to them and teach them how to better connect with people who do not look just like them. Heck yeah. Just ideas. We're here for y'all. Before we get started, we wanted to remind you all that our podcast is now a member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at dialoguejournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at dialoguejournal.com. Okay, so that is all of our business. I don't have like any of the words that I should have today, but luckily we wrote a lot of them down. So moving (laughs) forward, this should be a little easier for me. (laughs) So into our episode, this year is in full swing. We are starting off with our first series of the season. We are calling that My Body is a Temple. So this is going to be a four-part series, and that is going to allow us to dive in a little deeper regarding the material that we have in the LDS culture and gospel to discuss our bodies temporally and spiritually. And so we'll be diving into like the popular contradictions, purity, culture, and more. Yes, we will be repeating ourselves at a few points. I know we've done um, some episodes about this material before. We'll be highlighting some things we have discussed in the past in prior episodes, but we cannot. We will be taking this from a different angle, um, reviewing some old familiar material, and diving into a lot more good stuff. Yeah. So today, for our first episode of the "My Body Is a Temple" series, we are talking about just an overview of the term of "My Body Is a Temple," where that came from, and the doctrine behind it. And so we're going to be diving into that today. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When we were first going to do this episode, I was like, yeah, like someone just made this up in general conference one year. That's what I thought. I don't know why I thought that <laughs> because I have read all the scriptures before. I swear. Um, it's in the Bible. But yeah, it's in the Bible. Not just not the Book of Mormon, like 
It's going back to the Bible. Like that idea has been around since forever. Yeah, it's in the New Testament, Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> See, we are learning. We are here to learn. Learning. And share what we've learned along the way. Yes. All right. So diving in, it is in 1 Corinthians. So this is in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Um, this is pulling from the the English Standard Version. That's what it is. English Standard Version of the Bible. where And it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. God created our physical bodies, therefore making it good and precious from the start. Very nice. Okay, don't hate me for citing this source, but it exists. <laughs> I will laugh. But we're good. On Christianity.com, a website dedicated to providing access to the world, information about Christianity, led by theologians, like pastors, all this other stuff from different faiths. You say what? Christianity is a real thing? Yeah, apparently. Um, it says, quote, this is one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, but is but it is frequently misunderstood. What does this imply? Why does temple imagery work so well with bodies that God created for us? And more importantly, how can we consider our bodies as temples? End quote. So it goes on to explain that if you want to compare your body to a temple, you first need to define what a temple is. So they shared, this is not from LDS.org, this is strictly from Christianity.com. They shared that a temple is a sacred house of worship, sacrifice, and a place to make pleas with God where he could dwell. A temple is a holy place where the spirit of God can dwell. So first, I just wanted to point that out, that a faith community outside of the LDS church has an idea of what a temple is and is like sharing that it is a holy place of worship where God can dwell. So we're not the only ones out here that know that. I just needed to point that out. We don't own that idea. Yes. I think that's very important. Thank you. You're welcome. With that definition in mind... They also go on to explain that because our bodies are a place where God's spirit can dwell and a holy house for our spirits, we have to take care of them in two different ways. One, by nourishing them spiritually and avoiding temptation, and two, by nourishing them physically and guarding our physical health. So the very last thing they mention is that we should love our bodies because they are something magnificent that God has created. They explain, quote, when we discover that our bodies don't match a specific template or that we have wrinkles and gray hairs or that we don't have the same muscle volume as a sports star, we may begin to perceive our bodies as lesser than. We must remember that we were created in God's image and are fearfully and wonderfully crafted, end quote. I love that. I love that too. I included this because I really think it's nice to hear a non-LDS Christian perspective on this scripture. We always hear the LDS perspective on how our bodies were made in God's image, and then we dive headfirst into a chastity discussion and how to remain pure and clean. Every time, yep. That's literally all you hear. But once we leave primary age, so once you hit like 11, 12, the one thing we don't include in these bodily discussions anymore is that we should love our bodies and appreciate our bodies. Like when you're in primary, you're still getting the lessons of like, I have two eyes, I have a heart that beats, or I have like ears that hear, and I love my body. My body's a wonderful creation. When we get into like 11 and 12, it's like your bodies are vessels of sin and urges that need to be bridled. The narrative shifts and it's not good. 
we need to be talking more about how we should love our bodies. Yes, we can compare our bodies to the people around us and we can feel insecure and inferior, but the truth is that there wasn't a template used by God when he created us. We are all unique. We are all individually crafted. We are all created the way that God intended us to be created. We both know that loving your body is not an easy thing to do, and sometimes the most you can do is just tolerate and accept your body, and that is okay. We just want to encourage you to not hate your body because it really is an impressive gift from God in whatever form it comes. Yeah, I I really like this message and especially you sharing from Christianity.com. Okay, so because one of the main articles that I was looking into um, on LDS.org, it was saying how hormones are different this way. We have these beliefs. We make a lot of claims without really looking into other Christians and other beliefs. Like it was all saying, like, look how original we are, like one, two, three, like here's all the reasons why we are so different. And it's all about us, our bodies and God. And the thing is, that's not always the case. Like, yes, like we do stand out in some ways, but we're clearly not the only ones who believe that our bodies are special. We're not the only ones who believe, you know, like in an afterlife after this, like there's so much that we share with other faiths that we try to, we try to stand out more than we're considering where we're standing sort of thing. It's okay. It's good to have similar ideas to different faiths and everything that should really be bringing us closer than anything else. And with your last message, yes. I mean, I don't even remember those messages growing up as a kid, like the, the positive ones that like, I've always struggled with my body. Like I already had like other issues and health problems that I grew up with. I always knew that I looked different being taught that bodies are so holy that I never felt like I deserved one. And I felt like I always had to work to deserve it. And that is not true. We deserve a body that works because we are here. We deserve a body that works for us in our own way. We deserve to love it and to accept it in whatever way best fits for us. Like we'll go deeper into this as we go on. But it is something that I I am glad we are making sure we are pointing out in the beginning because Like society teaches us not to love our bodies and truthfully, a lot of our faith doesn't like kind of promotes that as well. Saying like, we have to keep trying harder. We have to be good enough for this. And that's not the case. These bodies are gifts that we should be treasuring and enjoying as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. So diving in, I did want to make sure we did at least go on the church website a little bit for this one. So the first link to pop up when you type in body into our church website, uh, the first one that pops up, the first article was a 2019 new era article by president Russell M. Nelson. It's titled your body, a magnificent gift to cherish. And that is based on an April 2012 conference talk. He gave thanks be to God. So president Nelson said spirit and body when joined together become a living soul of supernal worth. The spirit and the body are the soul of man. Both are of great importance. Your physical body is a magnificent creation of God. It is his temple as well as yours and must be treated with reverence. Scripture declares, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body, whatever its natural gifts, is a magnificent creation of God. It is a tabernacle of flesh, a temple for your spirit. A study of your body attests to its divine design. 
I just really like the whole tabernacle of flesh. It's very visual, very moving in some odd ways. And again, you can see him referencing 1 Corinthians. And I just like how it puts together a little bit more of the imagery because they're like people believe in things when it comes to the spirit and soul and, and everything, but it presents it more clearly here, which I always really pre- appreciated. I like it. I actually refer back to this article a few more times in the notes. So we're going to come back to it a few more times today. Nice. Let's do it. So based on what the scriptures say and what President Nelson shared, we can agree that our spirits infused with our bodies are magnificent creations of God and are vital to this lifetime. From what we know about the plan of salvation, gaining a body was a requirement and a gift for choosing to follow Christ in the premortal existence. We've talked about this a lot before, but once again, for the new year, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're going to go back into this a little bit, do a quick overview that when we were all living as spirits in the premortal existence, so life before we were here on earth, God presented a plan that would send each of us to earth, gain a body, endure trials, and require the assistance of a savior to get us back to God's presence. Lucifer volunteered to go, but he wanted to have no agency, all of the glory, and he said that everyone would basically just show up to earth and heaven as perfected beings and it would be done. So he wanted to change almost the whole plan. Jesus volunteered as well, but he wanted to do exactly what Heavenly Father wanted. He was willing to sacrifice himself for us and to let the glory be God's. So God chose Jesus and his plan, and one-third of the spirits that were in the premortal existence ended up choosing Lucifer and were cast out, and they were never allowed to gain a body as a consequence. Coming to Earth, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we were promised something additional with our bodies. We were promised power over Satan, which we discussed a couple weeks ago in Come Follow Me, um, but you can find that in Genesis 3, verse 15. It says, quote, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. End quote. This basically means that although we could still be tempted by Satan in this life, our spirits and our bodies together provide the power necessary to crush Satan and his plans in our lives. We are powerful because we have bodies. Yes, Satan has power, but we have more power than he does. And then in October 2019, General Conference, Elder David A. Bednar said, quote, Because a physical body is so central to the Father's plan of happiness and our spiritual development, Lucifer seeks to frustrate our progression by tempting us to use our bodies improperly, end quote. Okay, so like we've given the background and this is the core doctrine of it, like of your body as a temple. Yeah. Like where it started, what it's supposed to be like. Yes. We are we have power, we are powerful, our bodies are incredible and are capable of of amazing things. That is the baseline. Yes. Somehow this doctrine of your body is central to the father's plan of happiness and our own spiritual development has gotten twisted by the culture of the church and Christianity at large and the multiple interpretations of those verses by Paul in 1 Corinthians, which we have shared twice now. It has become a vicious cycle of, oh, our bodies are temples because they house our spirits. 
Our spirits and our bodies were created in God's image and are holy. What else is holy? Temples are holy. Temples are holy because they are places where the Spirit of God can dwell. Oh my gosh, the Spirit of God can dwell in us because we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. But we can only have the gift of the Holy Ghost with us if we remain clean and pure because the Spirit cannot dwell in unclean places. Therefore, we have to keep our bodies clean, free from sin, healthy, strong, in good shape, and sexually pure so the Spirit can dwell there. Otherwise, we are no better than the common folk that don't have the Spirit. I love this. If you guys need to rewind, do it. But you need to understand how that moved from one transition to the next. It starts out great. And then suddenly people are better than other people. And that is not correct. But it's the process that has happened. That's like my childhood right there. And I'm like, flashbacks of misery, like running through my head right now, because that's exactly what happened. So rewind it if you guys knew too. Okay, you can answer these questions for me, Kate. Oh, great. <laughs> but I'm going to ask our listeners these two questions. One, do you feel like you've heard a lesson about your body like this? What I have just shared in that weird tangent that I just went on, that monologue. The real question is how many of these lessons have I listened to? <laughs> because it's more okay. than I should have had to listen to. And too many that I believed for a long time. So yes. All right. Okay. Second question. Do you now feel intense pressure to be perfect? Yes. And I've accepted I will be a failure. Okay. So you said yes to both of these questions, Kaylee. You are entitled to compensation and therapy. Yes. (laughs) My favorite things. (laughs) Bring it on. So, okay. I went to a dark place when I wrote that monologue, but it was very necessary because that's how we twist the doct- the pure, simple doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ and make them into something that they're not. I, I hate that. <laughs> Just keep it simple. We overcomplicate everything in this church. Stop it. So let's break this down a bit further. Let's talk about the doctrine behind caring for our physical bodies why our bodies are so important, like in a temporal sense and in a spiritual sense. And then we will get into the temple comparisons and how they can sometimes be more harmful than we realized. So let's jump into this, caring for our physical bodies. All right. So back in that article from the 2019 New Era uh, by President Nelson and his April 2012 conference talk, he said, when you sing, I am a child of God, Think of his gift to you of your own physical body. The many amazing attributes of your body attest to your own divine nature. Each organ of your body is a wondrous gift from God. Each eye has an auto-focusing lens. Nerves and muscles control two eyes to make a three single no a single three-dimensional image. The eyes are connected to the brain, which records the sight scene. Your heart is an incredible pump. It has four delicate valves that control the direction of blood flow. These valves open and close more than 100,000 times a day, 36 million times a year. Yet, unless altered by disease, they are able to withstand such stress almost indefinitely. Think of the body's defense system. To protect it from harm, it perceives pain. In response to infection, it generates antibodies. The skin provides protection. It warns against injury that excessive heat or cold might cause. 
The body renews its own outdated cells and regulates the levels of its own vital ingredients. The body heals its cuts, bruises, and broken bones. Its capacity for reproduction is another sacred gift from God. Be we reminded that a perfect body is not required to achieve one's divine destiny. That is good. My only concern is that my heart has tried to give out on me twice in my life, and not everyone can see, which means some of this doesn't apply to them. So there are miraculous things about our bodies, but every body is going to be different. So it is important that we are reminded for ourselves and in regards to those around us that a perfect body is not required to achieve our divine destiny. I don't think we reiterate that often enough. I really wanted to include this quote because it does highlight a lot of the miraculous things that our bodies can do. Our bodies do a lot of really wild things without us even thinking about them. That's true. Like we remember to like blink and breathe on our own. Like that just happens. I don't think about it. And then when I start thinking about it, then I stress about it. But like you don't think about it. It just happens. Well, then what I recently learned is if anyone's gross out, close your ears for a second, whatever. Um, when you're done with like surgery on your torso, they just stuff all the organs back in and they're like, they'll, the organs will figure it out. Yeah. Like your organs move back in place. Well, then they figured out that your that part of your body basically has its own like system. Like it, it, it like thinks for itself basically. Yeah. So we are constantly learning new things about the body and it really is super impressive. And even like the way that some bodies don't work, the way that they are able to operate and take care of themselves continually is very impressive. Like, Anyone who thinks less of someone who is like missing a limb or because their body operates for some different reason, like our bodies are capable of healing and managing without so much. Like they re- they really are incredible. I'm regularly astounded by the body's ability to heal when wounded. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> I know. Literally at the beginning of the year, I cut off the tip of my thumb. Tracy. <laughs> like it was completely flat. There was nothing <laughs> After the top of oh my, my nail, like it was gone. And now it's been a month and it is almost completely healed. What? The skin has, re- yeah, the skin has regrown. Sweet. It's round again. Yeah. It's not it flat is. anymore. Yeah. Nice. See? Right, like right. I am shocked. I thought I was going to have like a sweet flat thumb for the rest of my life, but apparently uh-huh. that's not a thing. Apparently skin really grows back nicely. Um, <laughs> But, like, I have been blown away by the daily process of my body healing itself since this happened. Has it been disgusting? Absolutely. That's why I'm not posting pictures of it online. But, like, it's been fascinating to see how my body is healing. And I feel like we don't think about the cool things that our bodies are capable of doing enough. And, like, this really is a miracle. Like, I didn't think my thumb would heal properly. That's a miracle on its own. Obviously, like a perfectly rounded thumb is not like the most important thing in life, but like, no. but it's fascinating it's that it's cool. one again. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, and then just reiterating back on the point that um, you know sometimes we will have awesome moments like that, and other times we are without in one way or another um, because there is no such thing as a perfect body. We can't have the perfect man like to eventually create it. Like that's not a thing. It, it's not possible. It is a belief, 
of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that we were all created the way that God intended us to be in this life. And so some of us were born with quote-unquote normal health, while others were born with mental illness, with disabilities, with chronic illnesses, um, or your normal or and then later develop serious illnesses and injuries in life. Like it, it's always very different. And some of us were born, you know, with curly hair, others with straight hair. We're all born with different attributes of one kind or another. And however we were created, we can testify that we were created in the image of God and just the way that he planned for us to be created. And he doesn't make mistakes. So we are the way that we are meant to be. In that vein, I, I'm i going to say gospel according to Tracy. Oh, I'm with you on this. Okay. Go on. I personally feel like if you were created trans or non-binary or queer or anything of the sort, that you were created the way that God intended to create you. We all were put on earth in a specific body and in a specific way to teach us something that would help us to grow to become more like our heavenly parents and to help us fulfill God's purposes somehow on the earth. We know from Moses 139 that God's purpose is to bring about the eternal life and immortality of mankind. And if our spiritual development is deeply connected to our physical development, then I feel like we need to say that people that are twisting the doctrine of us being created in God's image to exclude the LGBTQIA community is wrong. Just because we currently don't have policies or doctrines that are affirming to the LGBTQIA community. I'd say it's really just even the policies. No, I wouldn't say it's really the doctrine. Yeah, just because we don't have those policies that are affirming to this community, it does not mean that they were mistakes or that something went wrong when they were created. They were created the way that God intended them to be created. And I personally am forever grateful for the examples and the lessons of humility and compassion and courage and faith and patience that my trans, non-binary, and queer friends provide in my own life. So do not get it twisted. If we are saying that everyone was created in God's image, that means everyone. Amen. That includes our gender. That includes our sexual identity. That includes our core identity. We are who we are meant to be. And I don't believe our heavenly parents messed that up. No. Nope. So, yes, thank you for that. You're welcome. All right. So then how do we care for our bodies in a temporal sense? Well, we've talked a lot about doing things daily to take care of your physical and mental health. So we're going to recap some things of what we've shared in the past, such as the word of wisdom. All right, so we did do a full episode on the Word of Wisdom in Season 1. That's Episode 16 if you want to go back to it. So we are not going to go too deep there. We know that it wasn't always considered doctrine. It's always been like considered like revelation and like a suggestion on how to live and everything. And we know that Emma Smith was like tired of making endless pots of coffee and tea uh, for the men of the restored church. And she was tired of cleaning up the tobacco off the floors. And then Brigham Young declared that tea, coffee, tobacco, whiskey, and all things mentioned in the word of wisdom should be abstained from in 1851 at a general conference as referenced in the minutes of the general conference um, in the millennial star on February 1st, 1852. However, I do believe and I could be wrong. I will double check this in for next week's corrections corner. Uh, but I am like 70% certain right now that we didn't like super try to stick to it as a church until like the 40s, 50s of the 
of the 1900s. I don't remember. We'll have to okay. corrections That's corner fine. that. That's fine. Make a note. We'll come back fine. to it. Yeah. Okay. Then also, so like we've got that. We've got like the core idea. We've got in Doctrine and Covenants 89. The way we kind of update it, quote unquote, is weirdly specific as well as being vague all at once. I mean, we've done an episode about the policy updates and how like, you know, they're being all coffee, but like only some teas, even though they tell us at the same time that we all know what is best for ourselves, unless it's time for an ecclesiastical endorsement or a temple recommend interview. And suddenly our personal revelation doesn't matter as much as the letter of the law, but we know how simple it looks, but how convoluted it can seem sometimes. The word of wisdom is just weird. Okay, like let Taking care of our bodies. That's the main thing. Um, it also includes, you know, eating balanced meals like fruits and veggies in season. Grain is good. And to eat meat sparingly. Basically, it provides a simple guide on what to put in and what not to put in to your body. Those are the main recommendations. I think it's so funny that every time we talk about the word of wisdom in the church, that it focuses on what you should not be putting into your body, but it totally ignores the whole like eating balanced meals and eating meat sparingly portions of the word of wisdom. Like we never talk about that part. But I it's there. would love a lesson on like harvesting fruits and veggies that are in each season. Like tell me when I should be eating my avocados. Tell me when I should be eating my bananas. Like that would work. Oh, I have pictures. I mean, I could Google it. I get that. <laughs> I get that. But I want a lesson on that, Tracy. <laughs> I want them to stop pointing my face and saying no coffee for you. I want them to walk me through how to when to eat my fruits and veggies and how to make them as appetizing as possible. I think that's I think that is more than fair. We could do that. General conference this year. That's what I'm looking for, you guys. Maybe we'll do a cooking corner episode <laughs> in the future. Yes. There we go. <laughs> okay. So another okay. way that they want us to take care of our bodies is what we're calling healthy head to toe, which is an article from the 2017 Friend magazine. So they're teaching the kids about this. They're not teaching the adults, really. Let's be honest. So this article teaches children how to be healthy from head to toe by eating balanced meals. We're seeing that again, getting plenty of sleep, exercising, and brushing your teeth. I really liked that little addition of brushing your teeth. I <laughs> That is a nice touch. <laughs> Very important, you guys. <laughs> um, in DNC 88-124, it admonishes us to go to bed early and to arise early. I know that there are people that are on like third shift track and work overnights and that's fine. I'm not going to be like, you have to get up in the morning and go to bed early. I'm not going to tell you to do that because that's insanity. You do what you can with what works for you. Yes. I feel like with this scripture, you should make sure that you are getting enough sleep to be able to function like a human whenever it is that you're needed. So like if you work a nine to five, make sure that you're getting enough sleep to accommodate for you to be able to function like a normal human between nine and five. If you work like an overnight shift, make sure that you're getting adequate sleep so that way you can operate things overnight safely and healthily. We could also include multiple admonitions in this section by prophets and apostles to seek proper medical attention, intervention, and assistance when illnesses arise and when you have questions about keeping your body healthy, including vaccinations. But we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of things that you need to be do able and willing to do to take care of your body properly. 
And then number three, um, and things that we are told to do is to listen to your body, which I do enjoy. Okay. Um, so Doctrine and Covenants section 10, verse four says, do not run faster or labor more than you have strength and means provided to enable you to translate, but be diligent unto the end. Meaning don't kill yourself working, studying, grinding, etc. When your body tells you I'm tired, I need a break. Listen to it. Give it a break. Drink water. Take sick days. Rest. Allow yourself some time to regroup. If you don't take time to be well, you will have to spend a lot of time being sick. And I feel like we both know what that's like. So like one of the things I'm trying to do more of is intuitive eating, which is avoiding the whole diet sphere and listening to your body. And I feel like there's more science coming out about doing things like that more often. Not just like on how you eat, but how you take care of yourself, like mentally as well, like learning to listen to how your body's reacting to everything, like the processing, how you think everything through and taking a step back to reconsider and see if that's the best way for you to be functioning and all these other things. The pandemic has really given a lot of people time to do research and to start figuring themselves out some more. And I feel like listening to your body is super underrated because, I mean, everyone in the world has their opinions on how to take care of your body, but every body is very different. Everyone's going to need different amounts of sleep, different amounts of water, um, different foods and nutritions and everything, different vitamins. So we need to be able to keep that in mind and say, hey, just because this works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for me, but I will do what needs to be done. Yeah. Listen to your body, folks. All right, so let's talk about caring for your spiritual body. What the heck does that even mean? If we look back at what Christianity.com shared, we need to avoid temptation to care for our spiritual bodies. But how do we do that? So in that same 2019 New Era article by President Nelson, he said, quote, Because one spirit is so important, its development is of eternal consequence. It is strengthened as we communicate in humble prayer with our loving Heavenly Father. The attributes by which we shall be judged one day are all spiritual. These include love, virtue, integrity, compassion, and service to others. Your spirit, coupled with and housed in your body, is able to develop and manifest these attributes in ways that are vital to your eternal progression. Spiritual progress is attained through the steps of faith, repentance, baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end, including the endowment and sealing ordinances of the Holy Temple. Just as the body requires daily food for survival, the spirit needs nourishment as well. The spirit is nurtured by eternal truth, end quote. This is a topic that we regularly discuss on this podcast. So Kaylee, what are some ways that we have talked about nourishing our spirits on the podcast over the last two years? Well, let me just give you a list of all of our episodes. <laughs> Kidding. I'll let everyone else do that. Um, we have discussed many things such as studying the scriptures, learning for ourselves. We've discussed praying, meditating, self-evaluations, and improvement. Um, including service in our lives and helping uh, others around us, taking time to study and learn new things, not just about scriptures and religion, but about the world, about life and society, um, about spending time focusing on developing Christ-like attributes, and so on. I mean, honestly, like there are so many different ways for us to be able to nourish our spirits, to be taking things in and to be putting things out into the world around us. 
when we make a concentrated effort to work on our spiritual development, we're going to see a change in our physical development as well. And it's not, you know, about like always getting a hot bod, but your mental health could improve or your personal attributes could improve or anything else. Like there are so many different ways where you can actually see a physical response or development to how you're mentally taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. One thing that constantly gets brought up when we're discussing caring for our spiritual body is purity, both sexual purity and pure thoughts. (sighs) Sexual purity is something that we're going to be talking about in a future episode in this series, so stay tuned for that. But it's also something that we have talked a bit about in episodes 8, 15, and 24. (laughs) We've talked about it a, a lot. lot. We've talked about it a lot. Because <laughs> we're single. Mainly our first season, though, it seems. So. I know. Uh. Additionally, whenever purity is brought up, we talk about cleanliness and, quote, being clean in all things. It's just confusing. There's different ways to be one thing. Like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I've been, you know, watching my TikTok videos. And, and like, when you think about, like, eating healthily, you're thinking about eating, like, plain chicken and raw vegetables a lot of the time at least like that's how it was in my family that's not what it has to be like being healthy can mean a lot of things like it can include rice it can include pasta it can include sauces and spices and everything it can include different cuts of meat it can include you know boiling frying well maybe not frying as much but like cooking your vegetables and everything i will fry things (laughs) i Frying everything is my favorite thing. I know, same. Um, That's why I will not buy a deep fryer because I will gain so much girl, weight so quickly. <laughs> it is literally deep fry the best everything thing ever. <laughs> so good. Okay, but it like crisps your pizza slices perfectly, Tracy. <laughs> so good. <laughs> my sister has one, and it is that is the first thing I will be buying. <laughs> when I have my own place again. That's dangerous for me. So, I can't do that. So good. Dangerous. Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. Okay. Um, but yeah, so maybe not that, but there's there's different ways to be healthy, just like there's different going to be different ways of being clean, so to speak. That is my personal belief. I can't attest to that with anything. It's just me. So rewinding, going back, let's take down this lane with President Gordon B. Hinckley with his six B's. Be grateful, be smart, be humble, be true, be prayerful, and be clean. So this suggestion included keeping our bodies clean, showering, good hygiene practices, etc., while also keeping our minds clean, not watching certain shows, listening to certain music, or being around certain people. So we use the word certain here vaguely, just like a lot of our former leaders would have, and I know mine did. Sometimes they would specify what that meant, and sometimes they didn't. But typically, we knew what that certain meant. We knew that it included popular media, cultural media as well, and more. Some recommendations included not listening to rap or panic at the disco. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, girls camp. (laughs) So dangerous. What did they have against Brendan Urie? I mean, I could get a list (laughs) for you, like, every single song on their disco. (laughs) Disco Discography? Is that how you say it? I've never said that word aloud. I love it. But their stuff is good. I love it. Um, I just re- I remember that clearly from Girls Camp. And I remember nodding along and I was like, yeah, that dangerous stuff there. 
Moving <laughs> Meanwhile, you're playing it on your <laughs> iPad Nano. Yes. <laughs> Not skipping this one. <laughs> Tell me about that bridegroom. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it would have included that. It included not watching R rated R movies, sometimes not even PG 13 movies. Um, it included not eating junk food, not using profane language, <coughs> Tracy, whatever, and keeping <laughs> and keeping good friends, quote unquote, who will influence you for good. Okay, and then so this comparison also like trickles down to how a temple gets maintained. A temple is fastidiously maintained. Like for those who don't know or haven't been in, they are very thoroughly cleaned every single day. There is never a speck of dirt. When people talk to each other as well, it's typically within whispers and only a certain type of people are allowed there. So you kind of see a similarity on only allowing certain things within your life, whether or not the church is specifying what that is or not and for those who like grew up in the church and had some of these lessons you would understand some of the examples i provided in people taking doctrine and interpreting it for themselves for everyone else the core topic here is about being clean um we've shared we've shared a few assumptions on what people think that means i'm um, taking care of our bodies or with our minds and our hearts. Um, but so we want to like take a step back and see how that really does apply within the doctrine. We want to bring these two elements together to ensure that we are clean inside out. So for you, for us, as usual, our go-to answer is to turn to the Lord, listen to the Holy Spirit, turn to your heavenly parents. You're going to know for yourself what works best and how you feel clean. The inner part that is. Um, so, I mean, on the outside, we do recommend staying clean. We'll dive more into that on part three of the series, um, but we'll cover some more of the basics here, like brushing our teeth a few times a day, wearing deodorant daily, putting on clean clothes, wearing sunscreen because you're never too young to moisturize. Like those are kind of like the basics there. For the inner part of your sanctum, you know what feels right and best for you. You know in your gut what media helps you to feel peace like the spirit is with you, and then what makes you feel like a complete void of the spirit. We did talk about that last season in episode 64, where we discussed judging sources by their fruits. We mentioned how we feel at peace watching true crime documentaries, while others would find that harrowing and totally void of the spirit. It's going to be different for everyone. We do listen to Panic at the Disco. We do swear. We do things like it's what works for us. And it's going to be different for everyone. You know what is best for you. You know what brings you closer to the Lord and what doesn't. Similarly, you know what thoughts help you feel closer to the Savior and what thoughts push you away. Navigating those thoughts does take a lot of work and a lot of self-mastery as well. But with prayer, with effort, therapy maybe, maybe sometimes medicine, you can become the master of your thoughts and the way that you want to be. And so that is the way that we feel is best to interpret what we are being told to keep ourselves clean. Because we could listen to what everyone else is saying, but that's not going to always work for us. That's not what we should be doing. We need to know for ourselves what works for us and we want you to be able to do the same. Plus, if for some miracle, I end up in the celestial kingdom at the end of all of this, I want to make sure that I'm in the celestial kingdom part that makes me the happiest. Like that means that I'm going to be in the section where there are other members that swear and like true crime and like irreverent humor. 
I will not be in the place with the holier than thou people that like force religion down their throats and force their interpretation of the gospel as the only true gospel. I don't want to be there. You don't want to run into that situation for the first episode of The Good Place. No, I would not like that very much. Be true to who you are and things will work out the way that they should be for you. Eternity's a long time. I'm just going to end with that. So remember that, folks. Okay, so we have drawn a lot of comparisons of our bodies to temples in this episode, which is fantastic. We really wanted to hit home that there are ways our bodies can and should be compared to a temple. We believe that a temple is the holiest place on earth where Heavenly Father can be and we can communicate directly with Him while making sacred covenants. How do we misconstrue this epithet of our bodies are temples in the church? Sometimes people believe that because our bodies are like temples and that we were created in the image of God, that means our bodies have to be perfect at all times, which we've already said earlier in this episode, that is not the case. We've already said that, yes, we were created in the image of God, but that does not mean that we were perfectly created. Being made in the image of God does not equal being perfect or being perfectly made. God created us like him with flesh and bone, personalities, spirits, and whatnot. He made each of us uniquely shaped, adorned, colored, and abled. There was no cookie-cutter mold of human that God just kept hitting repeat on. He created us in the way that he intended each of us to be created. But again, that does not mean that we were perfect. It just means that we were created the way God intended us to be created. Very important. And then when we do make these comparisons of our bodies being created by God to being temples, we forget that temples do take years to design, make, and dedicate to the Lord. You know, like when they get announced, it takes forever. Even after they're dedicated, changes are made. Artwork gets swapped around, furniture gets replaced or repaired, carpet gets carved differently, and it regularly gets cleaned. If we're going to compare our bodies to temples, we need to remember that even temples aren't completely perfect when they're done. There's still routine maintenance that has to occur. And like you can even consider the Salt Lake Temple and how much work is getting done on it to make it to help it become stronger. Okay, there's always going to be work getting done. That is okay, and that's even a good thing. Similarly, our bodies are not perfect. We have to perform routine maintenance on our physical bodies by eating right, sleeping, showering, going to the dentist, getting checkups, and so on. And we need that for our spiritual bodies as well by repenting, making covenants, developing Christ-like attributes, and more. When we hyper-focus on our bodies being these perfect gifts from God all the time, we tend to forget that they're not perfect. Um, we get so focused on like trying to like lead them to the point where they will be perfect that we forget what they're capable of because they they're capable of doing so much. Like seriously, we talked about that a little bit. Are they perfect? No, there's no such thing. We need to keep reiterating that so it hopefully sinks into our heads. And I know we said it earlier, but you don't have to like love your body. You can appreciate it that you have one and that it functions to an extent. We don't love all temples. Some temples are not what we want. They can feel small. They can feel different. We might not like the way that they look, but we can appreciate them. We can accept them for what they are and value them 
for what they are able to provide us. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's actually something I started seeing come up more in media, like in the last year, like, I don't love my body, but it can do a lot of things. It can take me to the fridge to get my favorite snack. It can drive a car. It can, with glasses, read a book. Like all these different things. Like there is so much that we can do and it might feel small at some points, but it's it's still so important to be able to consider that. Okay, granted, I was going on with a lot of tangents with this, as you saw when I was preparing notes. But there, there is definitely one that I did. I do want to make sure that we do get across because I know someone's going to be thinking it, and I know a lot of people are already thinking this that temples are beginning to look the same. They're all going to look the same soon. I mean, yes, they do. They do put some spins on those, especially those in different countries. Uh, they try to put in a little bit of the culture there and so on. But they really are beginning to all share the same look. You can see that in the way that they are redoing. I think it's the Ogden and the Provo temples from Utah from their like their funky cloud shape from like 40 plus years ago and are now recre recreating them, rebuilding them in the modern and typical form of all the rest and I mean some people are grateful about that and others are just like why like it stood out it was its own place like that's what made it so cool so yeah so all of our temples are white with green grounds if possible and typical flowers that can be grown in that proper climate the insides then are only created by pre-approved colors and furniture that's already been decided upon for like all temples they all have the same typical stuff for the most part. Like they've been taking out a lot of um, older artwork and stuff that was done in some of the older Utah temples. And I know there was a lot of, um, I don't say outrage, but like a lot of very strong and heartfelt opinions about that. So this to me is a lack of creativity um, and they're keeping the twists very minor is, is disappointing to many while others are finding comfort in being able to find something familiar everywhere they go. So this does work for quite a few people. I do understand that I have found comfort as well in traveling to other countries and visiting the temples and saying, hey, this feels like home to me. But also I do understand and I feel that they are too similar, that they should all be as unique as possible because... <clears throat> If our bodies are temples as well, we know that our bodies come in different heights, weights, limbs, natural aptitudes, abilities, and so much more. Humanity is extremely diverse, and that's an incredible thing. We should value what makes us different, respecting and appreciating those who are also different from ourselves in any way at all. And that's why, personally, I think that temples should vary in a wide swath of, of possibilities of creation and everything. If we're going to be showing off these great things about our religion. I think it should show a lot more personality than just a white pointy building. I think that temples should vary. I think our bodies are unique and temples seem a little bit less unique. I agree with you. Temples should be unique too. So we want to dive in a little bit onto this article, The Body, a Sacred Gift, in the July 2005 Enzyme by Diane L. Spangler. Um, who wrote, a temple is not only sacred, but also radiates life and truth. What is your body temple radiate, Tracy? My <laughs> body radiates what can only be explained by, <laughs> by Benito Skinner when he plays a Sagittarius, when he says, six mother effing feet. oh my gosh <laughs> that's what my body radiates <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that's funny yeah 
I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. What does your body radiate, Kaylee? Oh gosh. <laughs> I I don't know. I the only thing that's coming to mind is like those videos of cats angrily protecting their food and swatting <laughs> at anyone who tries to come near them. Yeah. I yeah, that I can see that's it. all I've that works. you right now. So so basically, we radiate, stay away from me. Yes. <laughs> that is what we radiate. Yes. <laughs> we, I, I feel like we, I feel like we could radiate light and truth and don't touch me. I feel like that's allowed. Like, we're amazing. We know what's up, but you're not allowed in my personal space at all. We are light far away purposefully far away maybe we should make a poll (laughs) like at like if you know us what do we radiate and put that we'll put that in our instagram story when the episode comes out and uh there we go yeah i think that would be funny to see if we get responses (laughs) for that one oh my gosh they're all gonna be about you (laughs) and they're gonna be great (laughs) all right moving on doing a podcast we're, wait we're on a podcast what <laughs> what <laughs> what is this <sighs> okay okay rolling back to spangler's article she says we must learn as samuel did that the body and the person are not to be judged using worldly criteria a person's worth is not dependent on his or her appearance what makes a temple precious is what it allows us to learn and to do Many buildings are outwardly beautiful, but only within the temple can the splendor and magnificence of God's eternal truth and promises be found. Likewise, the worth of the body is great in the sight of God, but the preciousness of the body comes from what it allows us to learn and do and from what radiates from within. We must enable our temple bodies to radiate the light, love, and truth of Christ. Alma asks in 514, Have ye spiritually been born of God? Have ye received his image in your countenances? A Christ-like countenance that radiates truth, charity, and hope constitutes true beauty. Beauty in the eye of the ultimate beholder, God. True beauty comes from who and what an individual is. Such divine beauty is felt more than it is seen and is not bound by culture, age, or worldly criteria. So I thought that was a very interesting piece. And especially, I don't feel like we emphasize too much about the worth of bodies. Especially since, like, we do focus more on, like, the worth of a soul. But the soul is made up of the spirit and the body. And we really are worth everything. Everything. So, um, as we continue on with this series, because we're getting ready to wrap up, I think it's just important for all of us to be able to keep in mind that our bodies are incredible. They are worth so much. And we are allowed to have them radiate whatever we want to. Yeah. We can continue to radiate six mother effing feet at all times if we want to, or we can radiate come as close to me as you want, which is something that I will never radiate, but I appreciate those that can radiate that vibe or light or whatever. Good for you. Like Kaylee said, before we wrap up, we wanted to just remind you that your body is your own. It was created the way that it was supposed to be created, and it is uniquely yours. Yes, we don't really have a concept of bodily autonomy in the church because we 
tend to believe that our bodies belong to our heavenly parents, which is something we're going to talk about also in this series in a future episode. But we are encouraging you all to take back control of your body and your own ideas and standards of what your body is capable of doing and what it is made for and what it deserves. Because we are told a lot of incorrect messages in the culture of the church about our bodies. And we want to encourage you to flip that narrative, start appreciating your body, start recognizing that your body is yours. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It's not your husband's. It's not your wives. It's not the church's. It's not God's. It's not anyone's in particular. It is your body. So treat it the way that you want it to be treated. Exactly. Yeah, we focus so much on a body being sacred, a body being a, a gift. What is the best way to utilize a gift, to show your appreciation for a gift? It is to use that gift, to use it to as, as much as you can and in the best way that you can. This isn't something that can be done very quickly. It can't be done in like a Sunday school lesson. The endeavor of appreciating and using your body and teaching it to do every all the things that you want it to be able to do, that is kind of a lifetime goal aspect. So as long as you're doing something, that is something that is enough. You don't need to just only change your life and work on everything all the time. Like you, you take one piece at a time and one day you're working on, okay, what's something I can do to help my body feel a little bit more comfortable? Is it changing my wardrobe? Is it changing what I eat? And then turning to the spiritual side of yourself and saying, okay, let's try praying this way today to see if this feels better. It's going to be a lot of different options, and it's an exciting journey to be able to go through. And so as we start in this series, we invite you to start doing that. As we do conclude, we do want to remind you that our bodies are complicated, they are strange, and they're also exciting. They are capable of doing incredible things, from being a couch potato to learning how to move in different ways, wherever you are, to adjusting to places from around the, when you're around the world fighting off viruses and allergies and surviving in ways that other bodies don't understand and so much more. Our bodies can do so much. It's crazy. And our bodies are temples and the way that they are sacred gifts, blessings that we are allowed and should be using. We have the agency to do that. And we should be. We should be exploring all the things that we are capable of doing and enjoying ourselves and all that we can. Exactly. Coming up next week, our second episode of our My Body is a Temple series is going to be about purity culture. Yay! We are talking about the things that nobody likes to discuss, which are <laughs> the loose attempts at chastity that seem to pervade our culture. So we're going to talk about that next week. So if you do not want to hear about purity culture um, and don't want to be triggered, you have been warned this week. We're going to do another warning next week when we start the episode, but we're giving you a week's heads up. So if you don't want to join us next week, then you're going to want to join us on March 2nd. That's going to be your time to come back to us. So be warned. Okay. And then before we close, we do want to offer another reminder that we are starting our book club. Um, so we are going to be reading Blair Osler's Queer Mormon Theology on March 30th. So if you haven't bought the book, um, 
but would love to join us, you should buy the book and start reading. You still have a few weeks to get through it. The book is a pretty easy read, and it is filled with gold. Feel free to start doing that. Um, again, that episode will be coming out on March 30th. Also, if you would like to join the live discussion um, with us on Zoom, the link for that survey form or to sign up for it is going to be in our Instagram. So keep an eye out for all the amazing and crazy things that are to come. Um, We hope you'll join us for what works best for you. Uh, So we will talk to you again next week. That's right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.